0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Loren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Archibaldic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. I am back today with physiotherapist Tim Buckley. Tim is going to answer some of the questions that we received from you, the listeners, about training, injury, recovery, and prevention. Hi, Tim, and welcome back to part two of your podcast.
1: Hi, Loren. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks so much for coming back and making the time in your schedule to go over these questions with me. We did start something new in 2022, which is we got the podcast listeners to send in questions. And you have received a lot of questions. So I know the listeners are very interested in hearing from you. Here's our first question. And this is from Randy in Canada. And they ask, one of the biggest obstacles I see my dancers face is not so much the physical, but more of a mental block when it comes to overcoming injuries or setbacks. What's your best tip for overcoming the mental aspect of recovery?
1: That's a good question. And certainly with athletes or performers who are so mentally involved with the sport that they do injuries are absolutely a mental challenge and it is so important to consider that aspect of things further than just the physical so I think that as an athlete comes back from an injury it's really about redeveloping that confidence in the body part that they have injured and in their body as a whole as well as their their mental capacity um, of being able to perform those skills again um, when they need to be performed. And I think a big part of reforming that confidence that's lost from an injury is really about going through a progressive rehabilitation and taking time to rebuild that body part. So let's say it might be um, a knee injury or an ankle sprain or a calf tear because when you go through a progressive rehab, the the physiotherapist, for example, who's working with you will give you progressive exercises that is gonna gradually build up the confidence You're not gonna go from A and jump all the way to Z straight back into performance. You're gonna go step by step and gradually build from static muscle contractions, range of motion, to then building general strength around that injured body part, to then building speed and more sports specific functional strength. And at that moment, that's when your dancer is going to start going back into functional training, which is then going to um, build that confidence and build that mental capacity Um, in the sense of the, the injured body part.
0: Great hope that answers your question Randy thank you for asking and this next question is from Jody who is in the United States what advice do you have for us teachers who have dancers that are experiencing injuries and we aren't sure if they should be dancing at all or if they should be doing more in class or if they need to stay the course of recovery.
1: Yeah, I spoke a little bit about this in episode one, and I think it's really about trying to determine the difference between normal adaptive soreness in a body part, which athletes will experience when they're building up a skill and they're building muscle strength versus an injury you know and having that determination between um, low-grade dull achy soreness that goes away when you stop doing whatever you're doing versus high-grade sharp unrelenting progressive pain that's worse um, you know or can be made worse when you stop and cool down and it's worse the next day and then worse the week after Those are generally the the types of things that we'll look for in knowing if a body is coping with the workload that it's doing or whether it's falling into a spiral of injury, whether it's an under-preparation or overuse injury. So I think for you guys as dance teachers, If you feel that something's not right and if you feel that a dancer is experiencing, you know, more more pain or more soreness than you think would be, um, you know, reasonable for what they're doing, get it checked out. You can never go wrong by sending that performer off to um, whether it's a physical therapist in the States or a physiotherapist in Canada, Australia or the UK. Get it checked out. Get them assessed because then you're also getting a third party professional to weigh in on the subject, which is a dance teacher can actually give you some backup and give you some support you know whether it's with the performer themselves or with the parent, you're doing your due diligence and and having that medical profession um, professional weigh in on the topic
0: moving on to our next question from podcast listener katie who is also from the united states is it safe for a dancer with scoliosis to train acrobatics
1: that's a good question as well i think the the short and easy answer is yes there are, you know, different sort of types of scoliosis. You know, it can be it can be mild, it can be more moderate to severe. Certainly there can be different amounts of curvature um, with potential rotations that can occur in the spine. There's a lot of different considerations for the condition itself, and therefore it is almost a case-by-case. Case. Generally speaking, though, you know, from what I've seen over the years, I think that oftentimes... Working with scoliosis and keeping the dancer's spine mobile and strong is always going to be a good thing. Again, have your professionals weigh in, have them see either a spine specialist or a physiotherapist that sees scoliosis to get their opinion on the matter. But I've certainly seen a lot of professional level circus artists and also ballet dancers who have, um, you know, rather significant scoliosis and um, they're performing at a very, very high level in solo roles a lot of the time, and it hasn't stopped them, okay? So it's not a definite no, okay? Because again, strength, flexibility, keeping them functional is often the best thing for that type of body, but speak to your professional, speak to your physical therapist or your sports doctor, and get that case-by-case opinion on that particular person.
0: Oh, this next question is from Ireland. I think it's our first one from Ireland. And it's Alex. And the question, oh, Alex starts off with, hi, Tim. I've taken a lot of dance and yoga courses for professional development and have gathered conflicting information on the IT band. Can the IT band be stretched?
1: (laughs) It is a good, it's a very good question. So traditionally we would take out the foam roller and we would just roll and roll and roll into the IT band. I think that the way I look at it is that you actually have muscles that feed into and insert into the IT band. So your gluteals and your TFL or your tensor fascia latte muscle. I think that actually working the trigger points or tightness in those muscles, whether it's ball release or foam roller release, will actually then give you an indirect, let's say, um, release of your ITB, which is probably what you're looking for. Um, Because also, if you think about rolling a foam roller into your ITB, which is a thick, fibrous band of tissue, you have to question what we're actually doing and the answer may be actually that we're releasing the lateral quad muscle which sits right underneath the itb so you're actually getting a feeling of release but you know possibly where we're actually rolling out and and loosening off that lateral quad muscle right underneath okay so the other concept there is that um, dancers are often developing a bit of let's say lateral dominance okay they're working a lot of their glutes and a lot of their turnout and that all feeds into this sort of tight feeling in those lateral muscles and what is often underlooked is the inner thigh muscles so the adductors and your adductors are really really important to strengthen in balance with your glutes and the abductor muscles which lie on the outside of the hip And we don't often do it you know we're often doing things like squatting and sidestepping and lying on your side leg raises and all of this kind of stuff but the adductors not only adduct the thigh and squeeze your legs together for example if you're standing in fifth they will actually stabilize your pelvis when you're standing on one leg so your adductors are really there and are really present to create stability of the pelvis on top of a fixed leg when you're standing on it so it's really important. So again, looking at balance, if you're feeling overworked and overtight laterally, maybe you actually need to look at strengthening the opposite muscles, which is your adductors, okay? And your hamstrings as well.
0: That was a great question, Alex. Thank you so much. This next question is also a great one for acro teachers, I think. And it's from Isabella in the UK, When my students' wrists are sore during class, is it okay to shake and stretch them out constantly?
1: I think wrist soreness is going to happen. When you have dancers that let's say they're transitioning from classical dance training, whether it's ballet, jazz, tap, et cetera, um, and they're coming across to acro and they're all of a sudden spending 50% or more time on their wrists and hands in class with their bridges, their handstands, their cartwheels they're going to feel sore in their wrists. And I think it's normal that they're gonna notice soreness in the wrists. Again, I think it's really about monitoring that and um, making sure that you know the dancers are able to loosen off and feel better as they cool down. Really checking how they feel that night, the morning after and then in the weeks as they go by to make sure that that adaptive soreness is not propagating into an injury. So certainly if coming off, loosening and mobilizing the wrists and shaking them out a little bit, if that gives you a good effect, then fantastic, that's, that's great. If, however, you know, the more a dancer does, the more time they spend on their hands, it's developing into sharp pain, um, it's becoming more, you know, high grade, and it's not loosening up by just kind of moving the joint and coming off it, you know, that's maybe uh, an indication that you might want to get those wrists uh, checked out.
0: And that was our last question from the podcast listeners, but I'm surprised we didn't receive any questions on this topic of hyperextended elbows and hyperextended knees. So I will ask, how do you safely train dancers with hyperextension of the elbows or knees?
1: Yeah, it's a really great great question as well. And it comes up often. So we know that dancers in general um, tend to be more flexible than the general population. And that can be a selective thing because dancers have who have that flexibility may be more successful in a sport or a pursuit like dance. So generally they're more flexible. And with that, you can see um, certainly in a ballet dancer, you might notice that they have hyperextended knees when they're standing at bar, for example, um, or hyper flexed feet when they're pointing the foot. And then when we flip that dancer upside down in acro and we start putting them on their hands, you might notice that their elbow hyperextends, okay? So they're actually screwing and popping forward that elbow when they're doing something like a plank or a handstand. So there's a couple of things to, to look at there. If you look at professional hand balances, okay? A lot of the time you'll see that their elbow does sit in some hyperextension. However, they are highly trained, very very strong and if you look closely they're often flickering their triceps and bicep muscles and their forearm muscles on and off to continually adjust the control and positioning of that joint okay so there is an active component to them controlling that joint In our younger let's say more novice dancers or performers the risk is uncontrolled or unstrengthened hyperextension so we have this flexibility that exists in the joint If we're not strengthening the muscles around that joint, so for example, your quads, your hamstrings, your biceps, your triceps, your shoulder girdle and shoulder blade muscles, we can then set up the potential for, um, you know, little pressure points in that joint, potentially increasing the wear and tear on the joint structures. If we're not aware of that position and the strength and the control that's needed to control that joint, the other risk factor with hyperextension is single incidents or acute incidents of landing with force and impact on a hyperextended joint that doesn't have the muscles there to be able to adequately absorb those forces with that landing or that impact. And if you um, essentially really force on a single occasion a joint into hyperextension, you can certainly cause injury to the structures in the joint. So I think. Number one is very important to have position sense and awareness in your dancers of what position their joint is in and where neutral is. So where neutral of their knee is and neutral of the elbow is and teaching them that there is another positioning that they can do rather than just sitting into their hyperextension and resting on the ligaments essentially, because then it becomes a more aware position with more active muscle control involved. And then building on that is really strengthening. Okay, So making sure that our our flexible dancers are training their strength around the knee. So the the quads, the hamstrings, the glutes, et cetera. There are some really nice hyperextension control exercises that you can do. And I think we have those on the AcroDance Resource Center app. We filmed those um, a couple of years ago. But just in short, you can get, for example, a TheraBand red or green color, wrap it around the back of the knee and tie it off to something fixed. And then you can actually have your dancer press the back of the knee into the resistance of that TheraBand and then release it back and then press into the resistance of the band again to train awareness and inner range quads control. So control of that quad muscle um, to control that hyperextension. And you can do the same in the elbow. So elbow push-ups are a good example of that. So you're actually going to be, let's say, in either a four-point kneel or in a plank, which is much, much harder. So start it in a four-point kneel position. And you're actually going to go from your hands and you're going to lower down onto your forearms and then press back up into that four-point kneel position. It's a little bit different to a push-up because you're really isolating through the elbow and through that tricep muscle control. Okay. And that's a really helpful one as well, just for positions Sense and strengthening of elbow hyperextension.
0: Fantastic information, Tim. I'm so glad that you were able to find the time to come back. If you could give the dance and acro teachers one piece of advice concerning the safety of their dancers, what would it be?
1: There's so many so many things regarding safety. However, I think the number one is really to work consistently with the progressions in a syllabus, like acrobatic arts, because not only are you gradually building up the load um, on a dancer's body and therefore giving them the time to be able to develop tissue tolerance and load tolerance to those skills, You're taking along for the ride a structured strength and a structured flexibility program as well, so that there's not going to be holes and gaps that are forming in a dancer's training. We know that you're developing your flexibility, limbering and tumbling at the same time as building your strength and flexibility and not leaving those really, really important elements out. So follow the progressions in your syllabus. That would arguably be the number one way to to keep your dancers safe.
0: Perfect. I know all of our listeners, especially the ones who emailed us questions, really appreciate your insight and knowledge on all of these topics. So, Tim, thank you again so much. I really appreciate you coming. And it's always so enlightening when we talk and I learn so much.
1: Thank you very much, Lorraine. I appreciate the time.
0: A huge thank you to all the listeners who sent in these amazing questions. Let's keep the ball rolling. In a few weeks, I will be interviewing sports psychologist, Dr. Leisha Strawn. If you have a question for Dr. Strawn, please send it to podcast at acrobaticarts.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.